Can Christmas fix 2020? I've noticed, at least in my neighborhood, there's a steep increase in the number of houses that have the Christmas lights out, or the Christmas decorations in the front yard, and more than ever before. And not only that, but it seems like they went up sooner than they ever have. There's lots of anticipation of Christmas. It's almost like there's this unspoken hope that somehow, maybe the Christmas season has what it takes to turn 2020, this very difficult year around, for good. Right? It's, uh, you know, maybe the thought, like, if I could just make it to the 25th, things will start to get better. That means we're one step closer to turning that final page on the calendar, getting out of 2020, starting into 2021, with a new start, and just turning things back on track. That's what we all need. It's almost like we have all have a little bit of Clark Griswold in all of us that's just desperately hoping that if I can provide the perfect Christmas for my family, that that would be able enough to smooth over all the chaos that's in our lives right now. Uh, the Holderness family has a YouTube channel where they regularly post videos that kind of a parody whatever's going on in life at that time, and it's pretty funny. Uh, and uh, just a few weeks ago, they posted one called Christmas Makes It Better, where the mom of the family is just wildly going through the house, decorating everything crazy, uh, you know, and doing all the Christmassy stuff she possibly can with this mantra thinking, I'm okay, it's going to be fine, everything's cool, Christmas makes things better, I'm, gonna be, I'm fine, it's okay, I'm good. Christmas makes it better, Christmas make it better. And the best part about that video is they kind of reference a video that they posted a month earlier was very similar, but this was called Fall Make It Better. And she does the same thing, decorates for fall, thinking falls make it better. I'm okay, I'm okay. Falls makes it better. And there's this kind of uh, this idea that if I can just kind of put everything up, maybe everything will be fine. In the same week, just Wednesday of this week, one of my favorite bands, 21 Pilots, released a single called Christmas Saves the Year. And it's cute, it's like charming and a little bit nostalgic, uh, but it's a little bit self-aware because even in the chorus, it says, uh, everyone wants to come home for Christmas even though everything's crumbling down. With cheap decor and flavored cheer, we can rest assured that Christmas saves the year. This kind of idea that we know it's all kind of a farce, but maybe, just maybe, Christmas can save the year, right? And, I'm not saying that we shouldn't put hope in Christmas. In fact, if you think about it, the Christmas story is where all hope comes from, right? All true hope comes from this Christmas story we're looking at. But my point is, um, we need to put our hope in the right things, right? So when you get to the idea of, can Christmas save the year? Can Christmas fix the year? Um, maybe so. But we have to, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, while Christmas might make us feel good, you know, it might actually intensify some of our feelings as we celebrate Christmas, maybe without some of the relatives we've always celebrated Christmas with, right? It's going to make it things a little bit more difficult. We have to be able to find the hope somewhere. And we're not the first group of people, the first generation of people to be desperately anticipating something to save us, to make things all better. And that's really what we're looking through as we look at our Anticipating Christmas series um, and uh, looking in the Old Testament, looking to see back then their prayers and, what the, and the hints and the foreshadowing and even the promises that something's going to come to save us all. Right? That's the whole day we're hoping on to. And, and that's what we're doing. We're actually having a, a supplemental reading plan that we're doing as a church. Um, here is, uh, it's it's not like the typical reading plans we've been doing, whereas there's a reading every day. There is a reading every day, um, but uh, if you, what we've done is made a link for it right there in the QR code. It's more like an event that happens in the YouVersion app. And so 
go ahead and get your phones out right now if you want to do that. Uh, and open up the camera. You don't have to take a picture, but just hold the camera up to that QR code on the screen right now. And if you do that, it should, if you get it in the right frame, it should open up a link that will pop up at the top of the screen. You can click that link. It takes you directly to the Uversion Advent event that we have put together. Uh, special thanks to uh, Jeff Sammons and John Knife and Tim Pairing for all, putting this all together for us so we can read this together and get ready for uh, this Christmas season. I, there's, if you, the first thing you might see, and I hopefully I've plastered this everywhere on Facebook, is the calendar of what we're reading each time. And there's one or two chapters from the Old Testament. And in each one of those, you'll find a little hint of what's to come in the Christmas story. A little thing that points to the Christmas story and Jesus. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to look at uh, today's readings for Sunday and also tomorrow for Monday. Uh, the readings we're going to look at out of the book of Psalms and the, from the prophet of Isaiah and see what he said even way back then before Jesus, um, what we can expect and how they were desperately seeking something to just make it better. Um, so let's look at what it says in, in, in Psalms 72, 1, uh, written by uh, David. And he says, please help the king to be honest and fair, just like you, our God. Right? This is a plea, a prayer for someone to come and make things right. If you read the rest of the chapter, it's asking for, oh, we want someone that's going to come in and take care of the poor and help us and the people that are less fortunate and just take everything, a benevolent ruler, ruler that can just fix everything and make everything better. That was the prayer. And then you fast forward uh, a little bit later in the book, Psalm 110, and the, uh, the, the even more desperation makes a little more extreme asks. So look what he says now. He says, my Lord is at your right side in Psalm 110. Moses at your right side, and when he gets angry, he will crush the other kings. He will judge the nations and crack their skulls, leaving piles of dead bodies all over the earth. When I was putting this together and this slide was up on my computer, uh, getting ready for this message, my daughter walked in and she saw that and her eyes got really big. She's like, Dad, are you sure that's a Christmas verse? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty intense. But what's happened now is they were so desperate for change and they kind of thought that, you know, what we need is someone just come in here and just lay down the law to be a punisher, to make sure that all those people that are messing things up get put in their place and, they, and, and you can't blame them. I think there's all of us at some point in time have either mumbled under our breath or even out loud said, you know what we really need right now is someone to just come in and clean house, lay down the law. And I don't know if this was the verse that I had my parents had in mind when they would yell up at our kids and say, don't make me come up there and bust some heads. That might have been what they were thinking when they said it. But, but the idea is we just think sometimes what we really need is someone to just come in and just make justice happen. And that's going to fix everything. The only thing that's going to fix is if we just make justice happen, make that happen. Uh, and that's kind of what their desperation turned into. They were expecting the revolution to come in the form of someone with political might, with you know, military power that's going to come in and really just change things. Because that's the way it's always been. With someone come in with a strong arm and just fix it that way. But then we go to the prophet Isaiah. This is in Monday's reading now. And in, in Isaiah, maybe we start to get a glimpse that that's not God's plan for how he was going to save the world. Isaiah chapter 7, he says, Then I said, listen, every one of you in the royal family of David. So he's giving us a hint of where the Savior is going to come from. You've already tried my patience, and now you're trying God's patience, but refusing to ask for proof. But the Lord will still give you proof. A virgin is pregnant. She will have a son, and his name will be, uh, and, and will name him Emmanuel. So maybe this won't come 
as a change in regime. Maybe this, whatever it takes to save the world won't come with this big, mighty, powerful politician dictator. Maybe it's gonna be something different, maybe supernatural, a miracle even, that's gonna come and that's what's gonna take to change the world. A virgin is pregnant. Something miracle, miraculous is gonna happen, right? He goes on. Even before the boy is old enough to know how to choose between right and wrong, he will eat yogurt and honey, and the countries of the two kings you fear will be destroyed, but the Lord will make you more trouble for your people and your kingdom than any of you have known since Israel broke away from Judah. He will even bring the king of Assyria to attack you. So there's still this kind of a feeling like maybe this is going to be a political power, that something is going to happen in the government level that's going to fix everything. And then I turned the page, a couple pages, to the second half of the reading on Monday, to Isaiah 9. And the first thing I saw kind of caught my eye. I saw this. And one of the little subtitles in my, in my Bible, the Contemporary English Version, says, War is over. This is the top of the chapter in, in chapter 9. I thought, hmm, war is over. Where have I seen that before? And I thought, oh, I know where I've seen it before, especially at Christmas time. That's also the little subtitle in that John Lennon Christmas song, Happy Christmas. Happy, you know, where it says war is over. And you know, it, it, which start, you know the one that starts with, so this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year over, a new one's just begun. Right, that one, and it's kind of like, you know, that Christmas, that it's on everyone's Christmas album, they all record this one. But uh, even when John Lennon wrote it in 1971, uh, in, he said that it was just really a, kind of a thinly veiled uh, protest song over the Vietnam War, right? That's what this was. And they, uh, he said, he even admitted that he just took that and wrapped it in a Christmas song, a Christmas pop song, so it could kind of ride on some of the popularity of that happens at Christmas. He was using Christmas, the Christmas season, as a platform to push some other kind of agenda, uh, which, you know, that's what he did. And, and, and we think, well, that's, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. But don't we kind of have the same kind of, it's not too far from our thinking that by putting some lights up on our, you know, on our rain gutters, that that's somehow going to, you know, immediately bring about peace on earth and goodwill to men, right? There's this kind of putting too much hope in just the Christmas season isn't going to get us where we want to go. It isn't going to make any lasting change. So then I actually read in Isaiah what it said. And uh, it's, this is the part where I find something might be familiar you've heard before, Isaiah 9, verse 6, a child has been born for us. We have been grant, given a son who will be our ruler. His name will be Wonderful Advisor and Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. And you may think, wait, wait, Isaiah, maybe you got this wrong. Didn't you mean like instead of Wonderful Advisor or Wonderful Counselor, didn't you mean like Wonderful Military Strategist or instead of Mighty God, did you mean like Mighty Powerhouse Politician Dictator? Uh, or eternal father, what do you think, the eternal punisher, or the, instead of prince of peace, the prince of power, right? Um, but there's something different. All those names that are going to describe the, the Savior, the one that was going to come and really, do, really make things better, are all things that kind of point inwardly, right? Wonderful advisor, wonderful counselor, someone that we can go to for help when we need it, someone we can get wisdom and comfort and support, right? Mighty God, God that loves us and created us, right? Not necessarily one that's going to punish us that we need to be like trembling and fear from, but necessarily one that loves us and, and has everything under control. Eternal Father, 
one that loves us as if we were his own children. Not, he's not, not out there to punish us, but to love us and support us and give us what we need. And the Prince of Peace, that, that internal peace that we can only get from knowing that we're loved by God. Right? There's something that's maybe that war that's over that we're talking about, that was talked about in Isaiah and maybe in, even by Joe Lennon, that war that's over is not this war that we fight with the people around us, right? That's the circumstances that we're fighting against. But maybe that war is the war that is between our God and our sinful nature. And that's the war that's over. That's what, the, that's what the solved the problem that Christmas solved. That war that we, our selfish desires that keep us from seeking and surrendering to God, that's what can be done, right? It's an internal change, right? We, maybe Christmas can be saved, but not from the outside in, from the inside out. There's another Christmas song which uh, took on new meaning this year. Every, every year there's own Christmas song, and even though you hear these songs hundreds of times, there's one lyric that you hear for the first time. And like, I never paid attention to this before, and that's the song, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Right? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Right? That's, and it, which is great. And he talk, talks about what you see in the storefronts and you see on the street corners and all those things you see at Christmas. Do you think it's about, you know, Christmas decorations? But did you ever pay attention to the last line of, of each verse? The last line says, But the prettiest sight you'll see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Right? Of all the things you can see, the most important and most beautiful thing you see, is what happens at home, right? And the second verse goes into all the things we're going to hear and all the things that are happening all around us, but it ends with, uh, and what makes the bells ring is the carols that you sing right within your heart, right? It's an internal thing. It's saying all the things that happen around us aren't nearly as important as what happens internally, what happens with us. So going back to that original question, can Christmas fix 2020? It can, but it's not about fixing all the uh, circumstances around us. It's about from inside out, not outside in, right? Maybe a better word instead of fix is redeem, right? Maybe Christmas can, can't fix all the things that happen, or all the hurts that happen, or all the problems that happen, or all the things that we lost, and all the things we'll never get back. Christmas can't bring those things back, but maybe Christmas, when we've finally figure out what it's all about, can redeem this year and make, she, and make it end well and for good. I remember sitting in a, Christmas, uh, in a pew at a Christmas service, which is actually the very beginning of the Christmas season, sometime in December 1992, with my family. Um, somewhat begrudgingly, I guess, but I was there. And uh, I hadn't yet really figured out uh, what my faith was all about, and I hadn't accepted Christ uh, and so I was sitting there, and I remember thinking to myself, vividly thinking, seeing all the decorations, hearing people sing the songs, thinking, I don't want to go through another Christmas season without understanding what this big deal is about. I know there's a baby. What's the big deal about this baby? And so I decided then and there that I was going to figure out what this is all about, what the meaning of Christmas is. I asked questions, and I read, and I did some research, and I figured it out. And I eventually, after all that reading and praying and figuring out what's going on, I actually ended up giving my life to Christ that year. Um, and I prayed that prayer, kind of all by myself, but at the point, it was like, with the people that are surrounding me that asked questions, helped me get to the point where I finally understood what the big deal was, right? 
And here's what it is. You can pray that prayer too. Uh, at Journey Church, we kind of simplify it down to the ABC prayer. This, this is the form of the prayer that I kind of pray that gets me to the point where I finally understood what the big deal of Christmas is all about. And the ABC stands for, uh, first, I admit I need a Savior. It's really easy to admit that we're sinners, that we aren't perfect, that we make mistakes, that we're kind of selfishly motivated. Uh, if we're given our own uh, circumstances, we have our own desires, we do that. But the fact that we stop and say, you know what? I can't fix this. There is, I cannot fix my problem. I cannot repair the relationship with God on my own. I cannot make that happen. This war that is between us, I cannot fix that. I need intervention. I need someone to come. And believe that when Jesus came, as that, as that humble little baby, in the middle of nowhere, really, uh, you know, that's, that was what the intervention was. That's what needed to come. Jesus came to fix us internally. He came to solve our sin problem, and he took it by taking on our punishment. And that's what the Easter story is about. When he dies and rises again, pays for our sins that way. But Christmas was the miracle that started it all, when, he, when God sent his son to fix everything for us, right? And then the commit is to, from here on out, this is kind of a, a daily thing where we commit to letting him into our lives each day, realizing that he did it for us. Not that we're trying to earn God's favor or aren't you glad that we don't have to try to pay off our own sins and, go, and climb that ladder ourselves up to heaven? It's impossible. He did it for us. Now from here on out, we just commit to letting him into our lives and let us change things, let him fix things in us from the inside out. And that's the whole idea of Christmas, to start there. And so let me give out a big challenge for you. The big challenge is this. Let's open your own front door to Jesus this Christmas, right? Get to the point where we can uh, realize that Christ 2020 can be fixed, can be redeemed, but it starts with us in our own hearts. Um, the word I wanted to use here was some self-care. Christmas is really others-centered, about giving gifts and baking things and decorating things and doing this and gifts exchanges and all those things, uh, which is good. I don't want to take that. We should be generous. We should be giving. We should take care of each other. We should watch out for each other, especially at Christmas time. But all of that starts and is fueled by making sure that our relationship with, his, with God is good and that we are taking care of ourselves. So I'm giving you permission, the challenge this week, open your unfront door to God this Christmas. Think about what's most important is what's happening with you first. And if we take care of that, we'll be better equipped to reach our front row. Right before we take care of our front door before our front row. Uh, it's not that, it, it seems counterproductive what we're doing with always seeking to reach out to other people, but we'll be more equipped and do a better job at that when we open our own front door to Jesus. Realize, is there any anxieties I just need to give to him? Is there like depression that's in my life that I need to give to him? Are there any issues that are just eating away at me this Christmas that's keeping me from seeing the redemption and the gift that Jesus gave to us. And there, and I've also put on here, uh, in a part of opening yourself and doing that self-care, which I don't want to imply means you can take care of yourself. This is more than just, you know, taking a bubble bath or uh, getting a latte or whatever, getting a massage. That, that, all those things could be what you do to take care of yourself, but make sure that most of it is just opening yourself up to what God has for you listening and reading and praying and talking to things, talking to people about the things that you're going through and getting ready to celebrate Christmas from the inside 
out. There's uh, on the screen, there should be the QR code again in case you missed it the first time. Uh, that really, if we were all reading together and we're all commenting together, um, that might be just what we need to get us right into the season of anticipating Christmas and, uh, and seeing how 2020 can be saved from the inside out. Let's pray.